Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. Well, if you are familiar with the gold rush, which began in January of 1848, then you may know that it began because a gold nugget was found by James Marshall near Sutter's Mill. Now, when he found this gold nugget, most people didn't recognize it as gold. In fact, they thought that he had found no more than fool's gold. So there's a a lesser-known individual that played a big part in this story, a woman by the name of Jenny Wimmer. Miss Wimmer grew up in the gold-filled hills of North Georgia, and and she spent most of her time growing up painting for gold. And so she recognized the difference between fool's gold and real gold. And and when she saw the nugget that, that James Marshall was holding, she knew that it was real gold, and she proved it by throwing it into a pot of caustic lie as she was making soap and she promised if it's fool's gold it's going to dissolve break apart in in this caustic lie but but if it's real gold when it comes out it will still be gold well it proved to be real gold and so the gold rush was on so i want you to think about that for a moment here james james marshall had something of great value in his hand and yet Almost nobody recognized it for the value that it had, but, but Miss Wimmer, she recognized the great value that it held. So let me pause right here and ask, do we recognize the great value of the things that God has entrusted into our care? Do we recognize the great value of the things that God has entrusted into our care as we think about our families as we think about our jobs, as we think about our homes, our finances, this community that we live in, as we think about our mission and our ministries here at First Baptist Church Stockdale, do we recognize the great value of the things that God has entrusted into our care? And my prayer is that we would become so familiar with the things that God has entrusted into our care that, that we wouldn't see them as fool's gold or, or, or some, something that's valueless, but that we would see them for the great value that they truly have. So this morning, we are closing out the series that we've been in since the start of this year, a series titled Faithful. And, and, and along with this series, I've offered us a vision to grab hold of as a church body this year. Here's the vision, that we would be a faithful people in all things, at all times, until it's all over. I want to say this one last time, and I'm going to invite you to say this with me, that we would be a faithful people in all things, at all times, until it's all over. So this is where our vision comes from. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells a parable about a master that entrusted talents into the care of his three servants. Now, if you remember, a talent was, was a valuable unit of money. It was a heavy weight. 
And so the master didn't entrust gold nuggets into their care, even though gold nuggets in and of themselves are valuable. He entrusted something more like gold bars into their care. And to the two servants that did something with the talents that were entrusted into their care, the word that the master used of them was the word faithful. But of the servant that did nothing with what, with what was entrusted into his care, the word that the master used of him was the word lazy. And so I've asked this question throughout this series, but as we bring this to a close, I want to ask it one more time. What word could God use of us? As individuals and as a church body, what word could God use of us? And if we are going to be a faithful people in all things at all times until it's all over, then where do we begin? And I think the most practical place that we can begin as a church is by looking at what we already know God has entrusted into our care. So for four weeks, we looked at our mission here at First Baptist Church Stockdale. Simple mission, to love, to grow, to serve, and to go. This morning, however, we're, we're going to look at something that, that God has entrusted into our care. It's not a part of our mission here. But as believers and as a church, it is something that God has entrusted into our care. It is something of great value, and that is our call to worship. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Psalm 100. We're going to read the whole chapter. Now, don't be afraid because it's only five verses. All right, so we're going to look at Psalm 100, 1 through 5. Now, as you're turning there, let me set this up for you. Psalm 100 is not linked to any particular author. Many of the Psalms are linked to David and other authors. Some of the Psalms, they don't tell us who the author is, and this is one of those Psalms. It's not linked to any particular author. It's also not linked to any particular event. Some believe that, that it could be linked to the rebuilding of the temple, which had been destroyed 80 years previously by the king of Babylon. But in reality, we just don't know. But, but I think that we have this great reminder here. Because this isn't linked to any particular person, because this isn't linked to any particular event, we have this great reminder that the worship of our God can be practiced by any person at any time. Worship of our God can be practiced by any person at any time. And I would take that a step further to say that, that worship isn't just to be practiced at any time, but worship of our God is something that can be and should be practiced all of the time. So let me bring you back to our graphic for this series one more time. We looked at this the first week, if you remember. So we see this person that's walking, and on one side of them is a body of water, on the other side of them is a range of mountains, and in front of them is just a lot of sand like they're walking through the desert. And as we look at this image, you know, in many ways our life can be like this image. Sometimes we may feel like we are walking through the deserts of life. Things just seem, things just seem dry. Maybe sometimes we're, we, we feel like we're being satisfied by the waters. Uh, other times we may feel like, we, man, we're exhausted climbing the mountain. We're worn out from the adversities and the trials of this life. 
And other times we may, we may feel like we're at the top of the mountain experiencing the joys and the high moments of this life. In many ways, this image represents the different areas that we experience in this life. And so I asked this question at the start of the series, but I want to ask it again today. What are you experiencing in your life right now? What, what part of this picture do you best relate to? Do you feel like you're walking through a desert? Do you feel like you're climbing a mountain, exhausted? Do you feel like you're satisfied by the waters? Or are you at the top of the mountain, experiencing the joys and the high moments of life? What part of this picture do you best relate to? What, what are you experiencing in your life right now? And as you recognize where you are in this picture, I want you to hear me that, that whatever season you might be journeying through, you are in the perfect place to be faithful in worship. You are in the perfect place to be faithful in worship. No matter what you find yourself in, you're in the perfect place to be faithful in worship. Understand, our faithfulness in worship is not to be based on the greatness of our circumstances. If, if our worship was based on the greatness of our circumstances, then what happens is our worship begins to look like a roller coaster. Does your worship look like a roller coaster? Where when things are going well, when things are good, man, your worship is there. You are giving your praise, honor, and glory over to God. But when the things of life are hard, when things are not going your way, and you retreat, you withdraw, and you pull that worship back. Our circumstances are, are not to be our motivation for our worship. Our worship is not to be based on the greatness of our circumstances. Our worship is to be based on the greatness of our God. And when you realize that, when you realize that your worship is not based on your circumstances, but your worship is based on the greatness of our God, then whatever you find yourself in, you will realize that you are in the perfect place to be faithful in worship. As we look at this psalm, Psalm 100, we're going to see that the author of this psalm is clearly not basing their worship off of their circumstances. Rather, they're basing their worship off of our God. So with that in mind, let's read Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5 right now. It says, Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. Now, as we look at this passage, I want to begin by highlighting what we see there in verse 3. In verse 3, the psalmist says, Acknowledge that the Lord is God. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. Now, why is this important? Well, because we worship the things that we give the place of God in our lives. God is to be over all things. But we worship the things that we give the place of God in our lives. If, if, if we have God in the correct place, we're going to worship God. But if we have other things in his place, we're going to worship those things. We worship the things that we give 
give the place of God in our lives. And there are so many things that are vying for the place of God in our lives. And if we aren't careful, then we can easily begin to give our worship over to those things. So, this last Sunday night were the Grammys. Now, I haven't watched the Grammys in years, but I heard about the Grammys this year. There was an artist by the name of Sam Smith... And he performed a big performance during the Grammys. And in his performance, he dressed as Satan. And his backup dancers and singers, they dressed like they were in hell. And they had cages and there were flames and they had whips. Now, prior to his performance, he shared a picture on social media of himself dressed like Satan, talking about his excitement for this performance. And CBS, CBS responded to his post by saying, we're ready to worship. Now, that's shocking, right? Compare that to what's going on in, in Kentucky right now with the movement of God, right? We worship the things that we give the place of God in our lives. Now, it shouldn't, it shouldn't shock us when the world gives themselves over to sinful desires. It shouldn't shock us when the world worships their sinful desires, but, but it is a good reminder to us that we worship the things that we give the place of God in our lives. So what are you giving the place of God in your life today? Where is your worship focus? Is your worship focus on the one true God or is your worship focus on, on other things? Because as believers, our worship is to be reserved for the one true God and for God alone. So the psalmist says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. Then he begins to give some descriptors about God, reminding us of why we are to give our worship over to him. First, we're reminded that God is our creator. Listen, it wasn't you and I that were here before the foundations of the world. It wasn't you and I that were here before God created the heavens and the earth. God was here. And with just one word spoken, God was able to create all things. He created the heavens and the earth. And then in his great love and his great, great wisdom, he chose to create mankind. He could have created anything else, but he desired to create mankind. He desired to create you and me. So I want you to hear this today. You are not here on accident or coincidence. I don't just mean here in this church building. I mean here on this earth. You are not here on accident or coincidence. You were created on purpose and with a purpose. God had every intention of creating you. So we're reminded that God is our created creator. Second, we are reminded that God is our shepherd. The psalmist says, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And I think this is a good reminder for us. You know, there are some that view, view God as a watchmaker who, who created the watch, sent the watch out into the world to be purchased, to be bought, to be, to, to be worn, but, but never interacted, with, interacted by uh, the watchmaker again. But God is not a watchmaker. He is a shepherd. And he does interact with us. He guides us. He leads us. He takes care of us. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't ever get into trouble. It doesn't mean that, that we don't ever 
experience harm or difficulties in this life, but what it means is that we have a shepherd that is watching over us and taking care of us through it all. So God is our shepherd. The third thing that we're reminded of is that God is good. In verse 4, the psalmist says, For the Lord is good. I want you to understand, we don't serve an evil God. We serve a good God. As we look at the evils in this world, there is evil. There's evil because of the sinful hearts of mankind. There's evil because of the wickedness in the hearts of mankind. There's evil because death entered the world through Adam. But you know, as we think about all of that, that shouldn't cause us to question whether or not God is evil. It should cause us to realize just how, God, how good our God truly is. Because even, even while we were wicked, God loved us enough to send Jesus into this world. Even while we were still sinners, Christ died on the cross for us. And when the world offers us nothing but death, Jesus offers us eternal life. And so as we think about the evil in this world, it should remind us once again of just how good our God truly is. So we see that God is good. Finally, we're reminded that God is loving And it was in God's great love that he sent Jesus Christ into this world to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. We're reminded of this in John 3, 16, well-known verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. We serve a loving God. And the psalmist uses a word to describe God's love, a word that should be, faith, or that should be uh, familiar to us right now, and that word is faithful, right? He says, he says, his faithful love endures forever, which I would say this is a good reminder for us because as we consider our call to be faithful, we are called to be faithful so that we might reflect the God that we worship. He is a faithful God, and so we're called to be faithful so that we might reflect the God that we worship. Now listen, in and, in and of ourselves, in our own strength, we cannot be faithful. But we serve a God who is faithful, and he can empower us in his strength to walk in faithfulness. We're called to be faithful so that we might reflect the God that we worship And so as we consider being faithful in our worship, in in the worship of this God that created us, he's our creator, he's our shepherd, he's good, he's loving, he's faithful. As we consider being faithful in our worship, there's three things that I want to look at quickly with you today that inform us on how we are to worship. So first, we are to worship God with a triumphant joy. Let's read verse 1 again. It says, Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. We're to worship God with a triumphant joy. Now, some of you may be more familiar with the way that's translated in the King James Version. It says, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Both are good translations, but I would say that that really to understand what the psalmist is saying, it's good to look at both of those translations together. Because as we consider making a joyful noise to the Lord, it's not that we're just making any sound of joy. We are to make a shout of triumph. So if you're a sports fan, think about it this way. You're watching a game. Maybe it's a Super Bowl tonight, right? 
You're watching a game. It's a nail-biter of a game. Your team that you're rooting for has been on the verge of both winning and losing through the entire game. It all comes down to one final play. And as the seconds tick down on the clock, your team makes the final play, clinching the victory. We're clearly not talking about the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) So your team gets the victory. Something happens in that moment when they make that play and they clinch the victory. I don't care if you're there in person or if you're at home, something happens. You jump out of your seat and you start to shout. It's not a shout of defeat. It's not a shout of anger. It is a shout of triumph. It's a shout of victory. Your team has just won. And so this is how we are to worship God. We are to worship God with a triumphant joy. But I want you to understand, we don't worship God because he just barely pulled it out in the final seconds. We worship God because he is the God of victory. And he revealed his victory to us very personally and very clearly when Jesus walked out of that grave. They did everything they could to make sure he was dead and to make sure he stayed dead. He was dead, right? He was dead for three days. They did everything they could to make sure that that tomb was sealed up, guarded, so nobody could get in, nobody could come out. Definitely that body wasn't coming out of there. But on the third day, that stone was rolled away, and Jesus walked out victoriously. And God revealed that he is the God over even death. God is the God of victory. And so we are to shout with a triumphant joy. We are to worship him with the triumph and joy. And the beauty is, is that if we give our lives to Christ, if we turn from our sins, which by the way, offers you nothing but death. If, if we turn from our sins, we get to share in his victory. We get to share in his resurrection. We get to share in his life. And that alone should make a shout each and every day, anytime it comes to mind. We are to worship God with the triumphant joy. And I want you to hear who's invited to worship God with this triumphant joy. How did verse 1 start? It says, let the whole earth. I want you to understand from the beginning of time, there has been an invitation for all of mankind to acknowledge and to worship the one true God. Now, not everybody will. Many will worship the false gods and the idols in this world, but the invitation is there to turn from our sins and to acknowledge who God is and to give our worship over to the one true God. And so if this is an invitation for the whole earth, then let me tell you, this is an invitation for you. You are invited to give your worship over to the one true God. So we are to worship with a triumphant joy. Second, we're to worship God with gladness. Let's read verse 2 again. It says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. We're to worship God with gladness. Now, as we look at this verse, we don't see the word worship there. We actually see the word serve. But understand, when we serve the Lord, it is an act of worship. When we serve the Lord, it is an act of worship. I think this is a good reminder, especially for us as a church, because the third part of our mission here at First Baptist Church Stockdale is to serve. We just talked about that a couple of weeks ago. 
And so when we serve the Lord, sometimes that fleshes out as serving others directly, other people. But listen, when we serve others for the sake of Christ, it is an act of worship, which is great news because you may say, I'm not the best singer. I can't play an instrument. That does not mean that you can't worship because you can serve the Lord. When you serve others, it is an act of worship when you do it for the sake of Christ. And when we begin seeing our service as an act of worship to the Lord, what happens is our heart's attitude changes. We begin to do it with gladness. When we begin to do it out of a, out of a heart of worship, we begin to do it with gladness. Listen, I get it. We, we may say sometimes, you know what? Someone else is not worthy to be worshipped. They don't deserve, not, not worthy, excuse me, they're not worthy to be served. They're definitely not worthy to be worshipped, all right? They're not worthy to be served. We may look at them and say, they don't deserve for me to serve them. But understand, serving isn't a recognition of who others are and how deserving they are. Serving as an act of worship is a recognition of who God is and how deserving He is. Serving as an act of worship is a recognition of who God is and how deserving He is. And how can we not be glad to serve our God who is so faithful to us? So... We are to worship God with a triumphant joy. We're to worship God with gladness. Finally, this morning, we are to worship God with thanksgiving and praise. Let's read verse 4 again. It says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. We're to worship God with thanksgiving and praise. As we look at those words, enter his gates and his courts, this is a reference to the temple. Entering into the temple gates, entering into the temple courts. Now, while the psalmist understood that God could be worshipped anywhere at any time, he also recognized that there was a call to enter into the temple courts and to, to lift their voices with others in praise and recognition of who God was and who God is. And, and while we can worship God anywhere and any time, listen, we don't enter a temple but we are still called as a church to gather together and to lift our voices together. Now, why are we reminded that we're to do this with thanksgiving and praise? Well, because I believe that for as long as worshipers have been gathering together to lift their voices together in worship, Satan has been on the attack to steal our thankfulness and our joyfulness. Have you ever noticed this? Sunday mornings roll around, man, and you are stressed out. Maybe your kids are stressing you out. Maybe your spouse is stressing you out. Don't look at your spouse right now. Right? But you are stressed out. Maybe you got into an argument before you left for church. Argument with your spouse, argument with your kids. Now, for some, maybe that just prevents you from going to church altogether. For others, you might, you might still go, but man, as you worship, that thankfulness and that joyfulness is not there. It's been kind of stolen from you. So if that's you this morning, then let me encourage you to do something right now. 
Refocus your heart off of your circumstances and onto your God. Refocus your heart off of your circumstances and onto your God. Your circumstances may not be worthy of worship, but your God is. And so regardless of what your circumstances might be, you still have a God that is worthy to worship. And when we recognize that, that our worship is not based on our circumstances, but on our God, then we can worship him with thanksgiving and praise. So refocus your heart off of your circumstances and onto your God. We're called to worship God with a triumphant joy, with gladness and with thankfulness and praise. And I want you to understand, as believers, this call that we have to worship, as it's been entrusted into our care, it is something of great value and we are to be faithful with it. And here at First Baptist Stockdale, from now and until Christ returns, we are going to be faithful with this call to worship so that we can be a faithful people in all things, at all times, until it's all over. Now, before you can worship your God, first you must acknowledge that the Lord is God, which means you need to come to a recognition that Jesus is God. He's the one that died. He's the one that rose again. He is the one that we worship day in and day out. And so you need to come to that place to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. And if you've never done that, if you've never submitted to Jesus as your Lord, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond right now. So in just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing, this is going to be your opportunity to respond. And if you're here today and you would say, I've never acknowledged Jesus as my Lord, but today I'm ready to do that. Today I'm ready to turn from the idols of this world. I'm ready to turn from the false gods. I'm ready to worship the one true God, not just in this building, but outside of this building. And every single day, every place I go, I want to worship the one true God. If that's you, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, then I would invite you to respond. I'm going to be standing right down front. You can join me down here. We'll talk, we'll pray, and today Jesus can become the Lord of your life. Now maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ, but I've never taken that next step of baptism to publicly declare Jesus as Lord. We talked last week about what a vital part of our testimony that baptism is. If you've never taken that step before and you're ready to, then I would invite you to respond as well. Let's talk, let's pray, let's make that commitment together today. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale, and I know that God's calling me to make this my church home, to connect my, my family, to connect myself with this body of believers, to be on mission with this church body, to walk in faithfulness to the Lord together. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you to respond obediently. Stand with me right now. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.